reflect with you this morning on something unusual in our gospel text for today. Maybe you notice it. It's this. A full week after the very first Easter Sunday, that is, today, John tells us that he and the other disciples weren't out into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit and so on and so forth. No, instead, where were they? They were locked up. They were locked up in their hiding place, doubting and afraid. And the question for today is, why were they there? Why were they still locked up inside, afraid? The story picks up where we left off last week, right after Mary Magdalene had run back to the house to tell everyone that she had seen the Lord, that he wasn't, that he wasn't dead, but alive, that she'd spoken with him in person, just like you talk to anyone. What she told them apparently hadn't sunk in yet. The disciples were still huddled together somewhere, weren't they? That had a stout door and a big lock. I think we shouldn't be surprised that they were still there. After all, their leader had just been killed. Who's to say that they weren't next on the hit list, right? For good reason, I think, they were afraid. But then Jesus himself came into the picture. He got right past the locked door, right past the defenses they'd put up, right past their fear, and he said, peace be with you. I imagine the disciples must have been really good and afraid because Jesus says, peace be with you, no fewer than three times in today's gospel lesson. He has to keep saying it. Now, the gospel tells us that the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. That's what they did first. But then, it goes on to say that a week later, the disciples were still in the house. So they rejoiced, but they must still have been afraid. They were still sitting there in their hiding place with the doors locked. You might say it was the very first low Sunday. The Sunday after Easter, when the enormity of what happened last week apparently hasn't entirely sunk in yet. If Jesus was risen, though, and they knew it, why were they still waiting around in the house? What were they waiting for? What were they still afraid of? It's hard to know for certain, but the text does give us some clues. I want to examine two major ones. First, of course, the big one is Thomas. Thomas was out someplace the first time Jesus showed up, I imagine Thomas was a kind of practical sort of guy. He was probably out picking up food and supplies. He was at the hardware store. He was seeing if it was safe to come out of hiding. When he got back, he was a practical-minded fellow, and he wasn't buying this story that Jesus was alive. Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, he says, and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. The great New Testament scholar Raymond Brown says that the Greek here is particularly emphatic. It's like Thomas is more or less saying, Are you kidding me? Just how crazy do you think I am? I'm not going to believe it. The first reason, then, that the disciples were still in the house a week later may have been that they were still not entirely sure that what had happened to them is real. Maybe. I can imagine Thomas standing there holding his ground, 
saying to the others, Oh no, you're not going to convince me of this. How do I know that you all didn't make this up? How do I know that you just didn't dream it? How do I know that you didn't see a ghost? People don't just come back from the dead, you know. Peter probably had some quick retort like he always did, but I wonder if Thomas's doubt sowed a seed of doubt in their own minds. That would only be natural. After a week, they might start to wonder, well, had I dreamed it? Am I just going crazy? Am I just kind of losing my mind with fear, all cooped up here in this house? Were they sure enough that Jesus was alive, that they were willing to get out of a house where it was dangerous and stake their lives on it? Maybe not. If something like this was on their hearts, I would not be surprised. But, and here's the second thing, I wonder if there was something more going on as well. Because remember that Jesus had said more than just peace be with you three times. He went on to say the first time, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. You. Well, if you're stuck in a room all day, for a week in fact, with nothing to do except think about what this means, I would wager that you might turn from rejoicing to worrying pretty soon. Because you see, if I'm sent out into the world like Jesus is sent, uh, was sent by his Father, well, does that mean that I'm going to wind up like he did? Seems like a perfectly reasonable question to ask. In fact, the extent to which you and I aren't at least a little afraid of what the answer might mean for our lives is probably the extent to which we haven't recognized what it can mean to live as a disciple of Jesus. Now, there are plenty of churches out there who will tell you that everything goes better with Jesus. More faith, more money, less suffering package deal. There are plenty of churches who will tell you that following Jesus won't make a dent in your lifestyle. It won't require you to change in any of the hard ways that we're required to change and afraid to change and maybe don't want to change. But if I told you that kind of thing, it wouldn't be Jesus. It wouldn't be true. It might make you feel better for the moment, but it wouldn't really be the word of the Lord. It would be the word of Jordan. The fact is, though, that every disciple, except for one, John, the fellow who wrote what we read today, every disciple, except for John, did wind up like Jesus. The disciples didn't stay in that locked room forever. They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, that's part of what we see in the reading for today, and sent out to proclaim the good news of Jesus crucified and risen. They fanned out around the whole known world and preached the gospel, and built the church wherever they went. Tradition actually holds that Thomas went all the way to India and founded a church that's still there today. Every single one of them, except for John, died a martyr's death doing all this. Only John lived to be an old man. Our reading from Acts today gives us a little glimpse of what their lives were like once they were transformed, once they left that room. They were transformed. They were on fire. They were of one heart and soul, so much so that they didn't hesitate to sell all they had and give it away for the movement and for the poor.
this hadn't happened yet. My guess is that the disciples were no dummies. They could see where all of this was potentially going, and they were a little afraid of it, seeing how potentially transformative it was, how much it would cost. If they were sent out like the Father sent out Jesus, well, it would have to be to walk in his footsteps. And what were his footsteps? Well, Jesus had given away everything he had and everything he was, not only for his friends and his family, we can understand that, but for people who had no idea who he was. People all around the world, people in Texas 2,000 years from then, even for his enemies. If they left that room, it might mean that they would have to do like Jesus did. They'd have to go to someplace like India. What's in India? Who cares about them? Well, Jesus does. You might be sent to India. It would certainly mean that they'd have to proclaim a message that would win them, at best, scorn and a cold shoulder from the supposedly great and good, at best. Or at worst, it would endanger their livelihoods, maybe even their lives. There would be a cost. You and I today are in the midst of a great cultural shift. It's been going on for a long time now. It used to be that being known as a Christian was seen as a badge of respectability, right up there with military service and volunteering for the scouts for the soup kitchen. I just recently watched the uh, classic Southern movie, Steel Magnolias. Have you seen this? Everybody, everybody from the nicest person in town to the meanest person in town is there on church on Sunday. <laughs> no matter what, you just kind of have to go. Well, that's not entirely gone in this part of the world. It's not entirely gone where I come from in North Dakota either. But I am old enough to have seen it start to shift. I don't know the future, but if trends continue, being a Christian is going to be seen more and more as strange at best. And at worst, scandalous. Something to be ashamed of. It's not likely, I think, that any of us are ever going to face the level of danger and scorn like the disciples did. We're probably not going to have to move halfway around the world and lay down our lives. But we will all face moments in our lives where we're going to have to decide whether we're going to stay in the locked room where it's safe, whatever that locked room is for us, or to go out where Jesus sends us and bear witness to the good news, come what may. All things considered, then. We shouldn't be surprised that a week after Easter found the disciples still huddled together for safety in the house. If you and I had been through what they had and faced what they faced, we might be too. There might be ways in which we're huddled in our own houses. But, the gospel for today, call it Low Sunday, So What Sunday, or What Now Sunday. The gospel for today is that they didn't stay in that room. They went out where Jesus sent them, knowing full well what it would cost. They were afraid of it for a while, and then they went. And thanks be to God that they did. If they hadn't left that room, the church wouldn't be here. You and I wouldn't be here. They went out in the power of the Spirit, and God changed the world forever through them. A 
leave you today with two things. First, if you happen to be more like Thomas today, you want to believe, but you're still searching. I want you to know that God honors your honest questions of faith. Faith doesn't mean pretending to believe something that you're honestly struggling with. Notice that the Lord doesn't scold or shame Thomas for asking his questions. He doesn't say, stop asking questions, Thomas. Instead, what does he do? Jesus answers the questions. So if you have questions today for God, I think the gospel for today urges us to keep asking, keep studying, keep searching, keep praying. The Lord doesn't require of us this day to believe something that I'm struggling with. But he does ask that we trust him even in our doubts. And to search and to ask and to pray with honesty and diligence. Ready to learn and ready to change our minds. Even if it would require changing our lives too. As it always does. Second. If you're like the rest of the disciples. And you believe that Jesus rose from the grave and is alive today but you're afraid of what it would mean to truly follow him where he sends you. Maybe you're afraid of what it might cost, or what people might say, or of how much you'd have to change, or even afraid of whether God might let you down if you did. Well, then hear this good news. When the disciples left that room, Jesus went out with them. He went ahead of them. He went behind them. His own spirit went within them. And when they met out there in the world, whatever it is that they were most afraid of, they discovered that they didn't need any defenses. They didn't need any locked doors. They didn't need any places to hide. God himself was their strength and their shield. And his power knocked down barriers and healed wounds that looked like they were beyond hope. So I ask all of us today, what's stopping us? What doors have we locked? What causes have we given up on? What hopes and dreams have we let die? Who could we tell about Jesus and invite to church, but we haven't yet? If there's something that you haven't done out of fear, or somewhere that you haven't gone because you don't really expect God to show up and do what he promised to do when he asked us to follow him. I challenge you today to just try. Try him and expect that God will be faithful to his promises. Expect that if Jesus can get past the power of the Roman Empire and death itself, he can roll away any stone from your life. Unlock the door today. Open it wide and go wherever he sends you. See what God will do. And then come back and tell us what he's done. There's no telling what Jesus will do in your life, in this church, in this neighborhood. All we have to do is go. Amen. Amen.